In the book of Luke, we read about the most exciting event to ever happen in our world, the birth of Christ. Luke's gospel lays out a story filled with anticipation, intrigue, wonder, and hope-filled news for humankind. It was the day when God's great plan of salvation and redemption was irrevocably launched. And as we look to the cast of characters God gathered together, our eyes are open to a new response, focus, and growth in the Christmas season. May our Christmas be filled with the same worship as the scholars and astronomers who offered gifts to the King of all kings. Okay, thanks Heather. Um, I've got a confession to make to you all. Uh, a number of years ago, like 40 years or so ago, maybe it's nearly 40 years, um, 30 odd years anyway, certainly, uh, Heather was working in the same factory, or I was working in the same factory as Heather, and Heather came to me and said, Stuart, I need to go to a church, can you recommend one? And the confession is, I sadly recommended Chowdean Church for her to come to. <laughs> and so, uh, um, if there's any praise, which I'm sure there's lots of praise, for Heather being here, oh, I'm quite happy to take that praise. And, uh, <laughs> but Heather, we've been blessed, and uh, through our years, Susan and I have been really blessed by you and Colin, so we just really want to uphold you and say thank you so much. And uh, we're so looking forward to Heather's word. One thing you know about Heather is she spent a lot of time preparing. And, uh, and so what she says is well thought out and, uh, and prayed about as well a great deal. So we're so looking forward to hearing about the Mag- Magi or Magi, however you choose to uh, to to. to. Let's pray for Heather. Father, we thank you for Heather. We thank you for her life. We thank you for her witness. We thank you for all the work she's done. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you'll just anoint her and give her the wisdom and the guidance as she ministers to us through your word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you, Stuart. Actually, 38 years um, in November since I walked through the door. So so you you haven't got rid of me yet. Hey, two minutes. Those masks make you dry, don't they? Anyway, here we go. Oh, we're upside down. Oh, I'm doing a Boris. <laughs> Got the notes upside down. So, when I learned that we we're going to do this sermon series called The Cast of Christmas... I wondered, you know, if I was invited to speak, which of the characters I might be given. It might be Mary, or or Joseph, or the shepherds. So when the information actually came through, I said to my daughter Susan, oh, I've got the Magi, to which she instantly came back and said, can you get a vaccine for that? (laughs) I've been chuckling about that ever since. So when Newcastle United were taken over quite recently by new owners... I was reading on the internet. Now, as we all know, everything that you read on the internet is true. So I'm reading on the internet, and I said to my husband, Newcastle have signed a new player. He's called Messi. Is he any good? To which he raised a sceptical eyebrow and said, well, he's one of the best players in the world. 
I says, well, it says here, there's a photograph of him looking tearful as he said goodbye to his Paris club and how much he was looking forward to coming to Newcastle. So Colin's still looking a bit sceptical. So I read on a bit further. And when I got to the bit about Steve Bruce being hit on the head by a cabbage thrown by an Arsenal supporter, I thought, this is fake news. So much of what we think we know about the Magi is actually fake. It's not actually true. It's not what the Bible says. Now, on that video that we watched there, it said that the nativity was in Luke's Gospel, which it is, but the story of the Magi is only in Matthew's Gospel. So, much of what we think we know is just not true. You know, it all just comes from tradition. Christmas nativity plays, Christmas carols, cards that we see, but that's not what it's like. You always have those traditional nativity scenes, don't you, with Mary and Joseph in the middle, kings on one side, shepherds on the other. But that's not what the Bible tells us, so we're going to just read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Christ to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So, Epiphany, which is traditionally known as the time when we celebrate the arrival of the Magi, is generally celebrated on the 6th of January, so not Christmas. They don't actually know the date. We can't be absolutely sure when they arrived. We can't actually be sure that there were three we only get that. Definitely it's plural, because magi is plural. It would be majus if it was singular. And I think probably we, the reason we think there was three was because there were three gifts. But Eastern tradition would tell us that there were 12 magi. They didn't go to the stable. I would imagine that by the time people had finished completing all of their census, well, they went home, so then there would be room at the inn after that. Verse 11 tells us that they went to the house, not the stable. Now, when we were younger and after, and when we used to have fun, we used to do a pantomime every year, here or at the fold, and it was um, a lad in a manger. Many of you will remember that. And it involved three wise guys. One year they were dressed as cowboys. I think Terry was one of those ones. 
Another year they were dressed as rap artists with lots of gold bling. And finally, I think it would be what you would call spivs, you know, black shirts, white ties, trilby hats. I believe Malcolm was one of those ones. And they sang this song, Three Wise Guys, Three Wise Guys, Led by a Star, Led by a Star. And if you're wondering who we are, we're Casper, we're Melchior, we're Balthazar, we're Three Wise Guys. Because nowhere in the Bible does it mention those names. We don't know what they were called, and they weren't kings. The term magi loosely covers a variety of men who were interested in dreams, in astrology, in books about prophecy and future events, and what we would probably think were rather questionable religious practices. There were certainly scholars, and they had a knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures. We don't know exactly where they came from, except that they were from the east. It was probably Persia, which is modern-day Iran, but it could have been as far away as Babylon. The star, some people suggest that it was the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, which took place around 7 BC, others that it was a purely supernatural event. The amazing thing about the story is that these men took a risk. They took a journey of faith. They were non-Jewish foreigners who were gazing at the stars, and they were the ones who responded appropriately to the birth of Jesus. The Magi's approach of worship is the proper response to what God did that night, and it reminds us that we, like them, should be focused on worship and gifts for the King. When we think about the amazing miracle of God who created the entire universe coming to the earth, coming as a human being to live and to die for the sins of the world. Now, while we might expect those who are outside of the faith to miss the real meaning of Christmas, we need to make sure that our hearts stay focused on what Christmas is really all about. When we think about the enormity of God, his creation, and the effort that he went to for our salvation, well, I find it's just beyond our comprehension, really. Why would God go to such lengths? Simply because he is love and he loves us, you and me. We are really loved here today. So let's take a look at some of the characters. Um, I'll just read from verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Restore his star in the east and have come to worship him. After Herod had heard that these wise men had come to worship the king, he called together all the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Now here we are, these teachers and wise priests, you know, people who should know, they've just heard that the Messiah has been born. Do you know where they go? And they check out the scriptures and they know there's a prophecy about Bethlehem, so they knew that. And then they did nothing. Just diddly squat. They didn't do anything about it at all. They were the religious people of the day. They liked the rituals, the temple worship. They liked being the ones with all the knowledge. But they didn't want to come to know him. They didn't want to worship him. And I'm sad to say that there are people in churches today, people who 
like to keep the rules, you know, good living people, but they don't really know the Lord. They're people who are not really born again of his spirit. And yes, it is important to study God's word and his commandments. Yes, that's important, but that would do us no good if we don't know him. Jesus himself said, you study the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life and still you will not come to me for that life. Jesus didn't say, I know my sheep and my sheep know about me. He said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me and they know my voice. God came to the earth so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. Now if we read verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared, and he sent them on to Bethlehem. Of course, Herod had no intention of worshipping Jesus. Herod was paranoid and power-hungry. We see later in this chapter that he intended to kill all of the baby boys who were under two years old, and he had them all put to death. So he was a terribly cruel man. Now, I don't think that any of us here today actively hate Jesus, I'm sure not. But there are people all over the world who do. There are people who are persecuted for their faith for no other reason that they love Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 11, Blessed are you when men insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Herod liked the status quo. He didn't want anything to change. And we just need to be careful that our Christmas traditions, the things that we like every year, don't become more important to us than what is the real reason for the celebration. Herod was so concerned about keeping control that he not only missed the greatest blessing in history, he actively fought against it. Now back to these magi. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. They worshipped him and opened their treasures of gold, incense and myrrh. These were significant gifts. There were gold for the King of Kings, frankincense for our great high priest who ever lives to make intercession for us, and myrrh, which was a burial spice, which foretold the purpose of his coming, which was to die for the sins of the world, for your sin and for mine. And I love the fact that our God is a practical God because you know they then had to flee into Egypt now, I can't imagine that Joseph packed his carpentry tools when he set off for Bethlehem. So they were going to need an income for the years that they had to live in Egypt in exile. And no doubt those gifts would come in very useful for them. We don't know much else about the Magi. But we do know that in the light of all that God had done, their response is the only one that makes sense. They worshipped him. For us to keep the real meaning and the wonder of Christmas, the incarnation, the creator God coming to the earth, worship is the thing that will centre our hearts and our minds. When we worship, we experience a different connection with God. 
we remember who he is. Each of the characters in this Christmas cast of Christmas worshipped in different ways. The Magi through their gifts and offerings, the shepherds through proclaiming the good news, the angels through song, Mary through pondering all these things in her heart, because God is worthy of our worship. What do you have to give to Jesus this Christmas? The Magi had precious metal and spices. They gave to God what they had, and I'm sure that all of us will admit that at times we are overindulgent at Christmas time. We spend too much. Now, I don't want to be Mrs. Killjoy, don't want to spoil it for everybody, but we do need to remember that there are others much less fortunate than us in the world today. Even on our own doorstep, but you know, think about those people in Afghanistan who've been left behind, and those in Syria who are still living in bombed out houses, still with no gas or electricity, having to buy fuel which costs an absolute fortune, not enough to last a month. Now, a little while ago, John and Ruth heard a lady called Samara Levi speak at a church that they were visiting, and they very kindly loaned me the book about this lady. Now, this lady was a very ordinary English mother, a mother of children, you know, not a working mother. Um, she was at home with the children, and she, she was changing her baby's nappy one day when she started to think, eh, if you were involved in the siege of Aleppo, or you were in some kind of, like, refugee camp, would you be able to get nappies? Well, would there even be running water? And she started to think about these things and to pray about it. First of all, she emptied her own wardrobe and sent it via another NGO. But then she set up a charity. They've now sent dozens and dozens of huge shipping containers out to Syria. They've built a hospital. They've almost finished the second of their um, centres for orphans and widows. So we're going to watch a very short video. Um, it's about four minutes telling you about the work of this lady in Syria. I do know that nobody in that organisation is salaried. You know, everybody is a volunteer. And any UK expenses that they might have are raised separately. So the leaders of the church have agreed that next Sunday at the carol service, the joy boxes any donations that are given will be sent to Samara's aid because we can be absolutely sure that every penny of it will get to the people who need it. So it's a very worthwhile cause to be able to, to give to. There was, I had an email this week um, saying that there was a little boy who, when he was eight, his father was kidnapped and then his mother was travelling on a bus and jihadists got on the bus and killed everybody on the bus. So he's, this little boy's auntie brought him to the centre and he, was, he wouldn't speak. He wouldn't speak to anybody. Um, but he's now a teenager. All he wanted to do was to join some paramilitary organisation, get a gun, and that was it. But he's been going to the centre for a few years now. And now he's, he's opened up, he's started to talk to people, and he's hoping to go to college. So that's just one. I just think, you know, whatever we can do next week um, would be great if we can do that. But more importantly, much, much more importantly... In one of our well-known carols, there's a line that says, What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What I can I give him, I give my heart. Jesus is approachable. 
There are no hoops to jump through. You don't need a degree in theology to come to Jesus. And it is, as Stuart said, it's nearly 40 years ago that I was on the brink of surrendering my life to Jesus. A friend quoted a chorus that went, Jesus, take me as I am, I can come no other way. So I did, and he did take hold of my life. And, you know, like everybody here today, life has had its ups and downs, but I have never regretted that decision. Jesus says, come as you are. The minimum bar to be unfolded in the embrace of Jesus is to simply come. Now, we don't hear any more about the Magi as they returned home, but we can imagine that after an encounter with the living God, they were never the same again. Their lives were changed for all eternity. And your life could be changed today too. Just surrender your heart, your life to Jesus. I'm just going to do something a little bit different this morning. You know, it's, I said earlier, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Now, God doesn't just speak through the people who stand up at the front. God can speak to each one of us in our hearts. It might just be a, a whisper. So I'm just going to ask us to be still and quiet just for a few moments and listen, listen, because God is wanting to speak to you today. And if you feel that God gives you a picture or a word of encouragement for the church, even if you've never come up to the front before, could I ask you to come? If you feel that God is giving you a word of encouragement for the church today, please do come up and share that. We'll just take a couple of minutes just to listen to what God himself wants to speak to you today. Father God, we invite you by your Holy Spirit. We know that you are here, Lord Jesus. We know that you are among us. And we ask, Heavenly Father, right now, speak into the hearts and minds of individuals. We praise you and thank you. We worship you, Lord. 